Uh, good morning. My name is um, Matt Wadarzik. In case you don't know how to say my last name, forget the L is there. It's Wadarzik. Um, I've had fun with that my whole life. Um, I was talking to Karen earlier. Do you remember taking the Iowa basic skill test when you were in school? Some of us will remember that. You know the little boxes you put your name in? My name never fit in the boxes. So, um, you know, Pastor Scott asked me to speak today while he's taking some time off. <laughs> he said I could speak on whatever I wanted to. <laughs> I was even tempted to take a selfie with all of us that we could send to him, but I figured that'd be pushing it. Um, but what I'm going to talk about today is really sort of my favorite set of passages that I've loved forever. And um, for me, at least from my vantage point, these passages need to looked at, be looked at every once in a while by Christians because they're very foundational. They can be somewhat confrontational if you don't like what it's saying. But, uh, you know, God is always calling us to something higher, something better, more faith, more discipline, whatever. Uh, you can see that I'm going to be talking about Christian development today. And, um, you know, the word development it says, itself means the process of developing or being developed. Other terms are like evolution, growth, progress, success. But this topic today wraps around a lot of what I do as I walk through my world. Um, I am what you could call a constant coach. No matter where I go, I run into people that need a little bit of push, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of confidence. Uh, you know, I'm teaching them what I know, either from a Christian standpoint, a cultural standpoint, uh, getting along with people standpoint, which I've had issues with, I'll be honest, um, business standpoint. You know, I get into discussions at work with the sales guys, and I try to explain to them how it's better to try to get a little more gross profit, and I get this pushback. And they say, I can't do that. You know, they got all their reasons. They're all their reasons. But in a lot of our lives, we have all these reasons that we can't get to where we want to go. And I don't know why I'm this way, but my goal is that everybody gets to where they want to go, whatever that means, however I can help them. So I am this constant coach. So you may see some passion come out of me today because that's where I live, is I go through the world and just try to help people. Plus, <laughs> I'm going to throw you a challenge out at the end of my talk. So I want you to stay tuned for the challenge um, because good coaches never let their people stay in one spot used to frustrate the life out of uh, the kids that I coached because I would say, okay, you did good this week, but guess what? We're going to go something higher next week. And they go, ah, oh, come on, coach. And I go, nope. Nobody goes backwards on my team. They always go forwards. So, like I said, I coached. I coached boys baseball and girls soccer. At one time, my wife said, you are on a ball field at least 30 weekends a year. And I go, hmm, yeah, I never thought about that. 
That's pretty cool. But what that does mean <laughs> is that means you're at games. And at games, especially at baseball games, they have the snack shack. Okay? <laughs> you don't know how many umpire specials I've eaten, nachos, all this kind of stuff. Girls' soccer is different. They bring oranges and fruit juice and good things, you know. But I coached at that level. And um, big charge that I always got was you could work with a young man, maybe 9 or 10, to try to get his first legitimate hit. By legitimate, I mean no errors, no goofiness, not typical Little League baseball stuff but he gets maybe a little solid line drive to left field. And he runs to first. Parents are clapping, fans are clapping, I'm clapping, yelling. He looks back to see his parents in the stands. They're all, hey! He looks back at me, and we lock eyes. And I point at him and I go, you're the man. He's got his day in the sun right then and there. See, that's where I want people to get to. They have to get their day in the sun. But the thing is, like I said, you got to hit today, but guess what? Monday we start trying to hit the curveball, which is harder to hit than a fastball. So I would never let them back off. I always wanted, I always wanted more. That sounds like that's all I wanted to do was win. <laughs> I got to be honest. We did. I mean, what are sports for? You know, somebody's got to lose, somebody's got to win. I always wanted to be on the winning side. And I know in T-ball, they don't keep score. The kids do. The parents do. But they don't put the score up. At the, almost all T-ball games end in a tie. Have you ever noticed that? But those of you who are parents, you are a constant coach. You will do everything in your power to get your kids to where you want them to be. You know, you teach them to walk. You teach them to talk, which at times you wish you didn't, <laughs> right? You teach them their manners. You teach them to be polite. You teach them all these things. You take them to the pediatrician to see where they fall on the averages, like, oh, he's 80% or 30% of this or whatever. You go there because you want to see how they are doing. So you're always coaching. Even when they leave home, guess what? You coach at a different level. It's a different level. You're not getting them to where they want to be. It's more like you're helping them manage where they are because you've been through it all before. You understand it. Life throws you a curveball. How do you handle it? You get to teach your kid that if they listen or if they come to you and say, hey, can you help me out here? You go, sure, I'll help you out. Let me tell you what I know. Now, I decided to see, you know, kids are supposed to grow and be mature at certain levels at certain ages. So I decided I would check the internet to see what the experts say about where kids are supposed to be at any given stage. So I just picked three different stages. What should they be able to do at three, 
13 and 18. And it's sort of fascinating. So let me show you what a three-year-old should be able to do. Okay, don't know if this is true or not in your house. They should have a basic ability to get dressed. Basically, they can pull their clothes on. Maybe they can't get them off. My grandson, Asher, always puts his pants on backwards. I cannot figure that out. But he's four, so he's sort of behind the curve, I guess. <laughs> so then the next thing, doing basic chores. All that means is you help them put their toys away, right? Then they dump them out again. And the third thing is use basic three-word sentences. Now... That sometimes means three words ten times in a row at a high-pitched volume. Uh, again, with my grandson, Asher, I told him to do something a couple weeks ago, and he went, no, no, no. I went, yes, yes, yes. And then I realized, I'm arguing with a four-year-old. <laughs> well, so that's where a three-year-old should be, according to the experts. Let's go to a 13-year-old. Oh, <laughs> wake themselves up. That means set the alarm, get out of bed, okay? And then, second one, filling out their own paperwork. You know, all these forms they've got, they should be able to fill out their own paperwork. Next one, doing their own laundry. Does that work in here? Okay, now, this fourth one is a life skill that the experts never mentioned. <laughs> short sheet a bed. Now, how many of you know how to short sheet a bed? Raise your hands. You had great parents, okay? I don't know what the deal is, why this life skill was left off, but to help you out so we can catch you all up to the same level, I'm going to show you a diagram of what a short-sheeted bed looks like. Okay. Normally, normally your sheet starts down here at the bottom, and then it wraps around and goes to the head of the bed, and then you roll it back. That's so when you climb into bed your legs will slide all the way to the bottom. Okay, but when you short sheet, you see where it starts. It's at the head of the bed, and it comes back down, and then you roll it back up, so it looks normal. But what happens is people try to get into bed, and their leg doesn't go as far as they used to, so they start struggling with it. Notice short sheet of bed. Now, this is funny in itself, but if the person is really cranky, and they get more cranky, you have more to laugh about. Because <laughs> you see adults, now, we did this to the gentleman who became my future son-in-law the first time he came over. And uh, he just thought we didn't know how to make a bed, so he slept on top. <laughs> Going, okay. <laughs> um, so now you all know how to short shoot a bed. Go to the 18-year-olds. Okay. 18-year-olds should be able to contribute to running a household. Now, by the way, if I'm, just, I'm talking 13-year-old and 18-year-old. All you ones in the middle, listen. You know? Listen. Now, this is, they clean the garage without asking. They mow the lawn without asking. They go grocery shopping without you bugging them. See? Let's go to the next one be able to find their way around. They know how to read a bus schedule, they know basic directions, all that kind of stuff. Um, but along with this, they know north, south, east, and west. 
Now, I'm going to test this here. What direction is that? Good parents. Was anybody going to say east and they got drowned out? Okay. Okay, the third one there. Be able to earn and manage money. I know some people a little older than 18 years old that struggle with this one. But you see, this is what the experts say. That's where they should be. Okay, this is the physical world. And they know all this stuff. It's amazing how much they know of where people should be. But I don't know if you realize it, but God has a few expectations for us that are rather pointed. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to not look at them. And I want to show you one of these. But what does he expect from us? It's not there. There we go. Thank you. This is from the book of Hebrews. The writer was writing to Jewish people that had either dispersed from Jerusalem or were still there. But basically, this whole letter was talking about Jesus was greater than Moses, greater than Melchizedek, he's a greater high priest, all this kind of stuff. And they go through all of this in the front end of the book. And then he starts getting personal. And he says, we have much to say about this, but, because, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. Hmm. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, you can imagine wherever this letter went to, and they're reading this out loud to the group, and they hear this, and they go, Obviously, that they're not talking to us. They sent that to the wrong church. Now, notice what this says. There's an expectation there. By some time, you should be a teacher. It doesn't say the time frame. And you go, Ugh, how would you like to be sitting in the audience and have that thrown at you? You go, no, well, now wait a minute. What? I've been in the church 20 years. 15, 2, and I need to be a teacher? Does that mean I'm supposed to be up here? Does that mean I'm supposed to be teaching down in the lower classrooms? What does that mean? And if you think about it, that's a scary proposition. All of us in here ought to be teachers. But what does that mean? How far does that go? How do you get there? What do I do? Well, great. I did that for effect. <laughs> well, should do things to divert attention. Um, and I shouldn't have got rid of that already. Um, one thing I run into with people when I try to coach them is I usually hear back, I can't do that, I'm not trained, whatever. They have all this pushback. And I look at them and I go, no, no, no. I know you, I know what you can do, I've seen what you can do, and you can do this. You don't know how good you are. 
and they push back. And I never ask them to do something that they can't do. Maybe I need to train them, maybe I need to work with them, but I don't push them that way. But I do everything I can to help them. So, on the same token, God has something for us to help us move down, the, down our way as we go through life. So let's see what he has to say for us. Mm. His divine power has given us what? 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 Thank you. Hear that? Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You hear that? Everything we need for life and godliness. He's covered the full spectrum. So whatever issue you're facing right now, don't know what it is, don't know how painful it is, whatever, God's given you everything you need to handle that. Everything. Hmm. Okay. Still doesn't tell you how you're supposed to get to being a teacher, right? It's a nice concept, good thing to remember, but it doesn't get you there to being a teacher. Oh, one thing on the side I want to give you. You know, we're supposed to teach, but there's also a passage. We're supposed to teach, God has given us everything. There's a passage in Ephesians 1 that says that basically it mentions the resurrection power that God has for us which means that resident within us for a Christian person is resurrection power. Now just think about that. You think you can't do something? You have resurrection power. You got it. It's there. You just have to be reminded of it. So, we're supposed to teach, supposed to do this, but how do I get to the teaching bit? Do you have a list? And I'm going to go, yeah, but it's a little counterintuitive, and I'll get you there. Notice what this says. For this very reason. What's the reason? Well, because God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. You hear that? Keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Or to flip it around, you do this stuff, you'll be effective and productive, which is, oh, by the way, where you need to get to anyway in your Christian walk. So, first thing it says is, Make every effort to add to your faith. Well, which faith is that? Is it faith in the government? Faith in your employer? Faith in yourself? Which faith is it? Well, it's this. Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross for our sins. 
Salvation comes through accepting him as personal Lord and Savior. It requires repentance. It's that faith. It's not faith in ourselves because you hear a lot of people say, if you have enough faith, you can do this. And if it doesn't happen, what does that mean? Your faith is no good. Well, that's because you're putting faith in your faith. Sounds sort of funny. So we're adding these things to our faith. Now, I put them in a little nicer list, so let's go to the next slide there. Okay. See, these are things we need to add to our faith. So, you say, well, okay, those are nice, but what, is it, what does goodness mean? What does that mean? Well, I'll try this on. Let's say you got paid. Got your paycheck, paid all your bills, got enough groceries to get you to the next paycheck, got enough to pay for gas, put some money in your contingency fund, and you have $100 left over. You go, wow, got $100. What do I do with my $100 that I have left over? You get the sense that God is telling you that, oh, that couple at church that's having a hard time now, give it to them. And you do. That's goodness. That's a, just, that's a good thing to do. You help them out. Then you get to knowledge. Knowledge says... Um, Let's say you decide to be a little more disciplined in studying your Bible. Instead of just Sunday mornings, you, you opt maybe for Monday night in between the game show you watch and the other game show you watch. You put it in there in the middle. And while you're reading that, you find out something about yourself that's rather disturbing that you need to fix. And oh, by the way, as I say that, we all need to be fixed, right? There's always something broken. I know that I'm over 60 now. There's always something broken or starting to break. <laughs> it's hard getting in and out of my wife's Camry because it's hard to get down that low, harder to get back out. Okay. So you see, knowledge gives you information. It lets you know, hey, there's a problem here. This is what God says. Let's go at this. Let's fix this, etc. So there's knowledge. Well, then there's self-control. Self-control is this. You go to your favorite coffee store, and you give your order, and then you go stand down at the other end of the counter waiting for your coffee. Two other people show up. They order their coffee, and while you're waiting, they get their coffee before you. You feel the tension? Pretty sure you've all been there. And you go, did they forget my coffee? You feel the tension. So instead of waiting the normal five minutes, you end up waiting ten. But you don't complain. You survive the ten minutes. Okay? That's self-control. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of these because these are all going to be different. I'm just giving you some examples. But again, still haven't told you how you get to teaching. If you actively work on any of these attributes, guess what happens? You change. 
God does some work in your life and you become more like these. He does a change. Guess what you get to do with that knowledge? You get to go share it with the next person that you see struggling with the same issue. You are now the spiritual coach for that issue. See the teaching now? See, I may get in trouble for this, but that's okay. We don't, you don't need to be able to parse the Greek. You don't need to be able to use big Bible words. You don't need to be able to quote a lot of scripture, which, well, I, I got to take that back. Yes, you do. You need to learn that. But all of these things, you don't need deep theology. All you need is the ability to go into your world, speak in your language. Let me show you what God did for me in this area, using your own language, their language that they understand. You know, I've worked with a lot of different people. You know, you work with engineers, their language is totally different, the way they view the world, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you talk to accountants, Just, as long as, just to let you know, accountants do paint their Easter eggs white. Um, <laughs> I can say that I'm an accountant. You know, you talk to operations people, they all speak a different language. But if you can go at them in their realm and say, oh, hey, this is what God did for me, this is, what, this is how it worked, and blah, 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 they're now learning from you. So what are you doing? You're teaching. You all have that ability to teach. You know, you can do this. You don't know how good you are yet. You can do this. Remember, God has given you everything you need to do this. So, here's the deal. You're probably saying, do you have a list for helping me do this? I go, yeah, I do. So, you're not going to do these all at once. It's impossible. So you have to figure out which one. Which one? Okay, ask God which one. And really, this is a two-part question. It's really a two-part thing. One is you ask God direct. I'm pretty sure he'll give you an answer. The other is look through the Bible and see what it says about you. So you're getting some input. Next one is ask a friend. Ooh. Ask a friend, a close friend that you trust, to say, hey, on this list, where do you see I'm missing it? And hopefully your friend will be honest and loving and say, hey, this one here. Then the third one, ask that friend to help you. And here's how that works. One is, you could say, okay, hold me accountable to whatever this attribute is. Ask me how I'm doing. The other is a lot more scarier. And what I'm going to ask you to do is something I did about two, three weeks ago. Um, and I got a friend of mine here named Cy Norris. He's over here with his wife, Danelle. He was at this sales meeting when I did this. You know, I deal with, I don't know how many people on the phone all the time within the company. And I realized... And, 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 well, one thing, 
I never know how I come across. I never know how I sound. I may be thinking of unicorns and puppies in my head, and people are thinking I'm mad. I don't really think about unicorns and puppies. That's not my deal. <laughs> but I never know. I don't know how I sound on the phone. I'm perfectly fine, and then somebody's melting somewhere. So what I did in this group of, how many people were there, Cy? 50? At least. I said, hey, here's the deal, folks. I talk to all of you at any given point in time. Some days I go home, and my wife says, what did you do for work? What did you do today? And I says, I was on the phone all day. And I said, but I never know how I sound, but here's what I want you to do. If the conversation didn't go well, I want you to hang up first, call me back, say, hey, Matt, that was a little intimidating. And I'll go, okay, thank you. So this is what your friend can do. He can keep an eye on you. Say, hey, <laughs> you know this thing you're working on? Eh, didn't work today. Fourth one is find the fear. You go, what? What does that mean? It means this. So for every one of these attributes, there is some fear somewhere that's going to keep you from doing it. Now, remember the thing about goodness? Remember the $100? You sense God's telling you to give it to that couple, but you go, oh, what if I need that money? What if, what if, what if, what if? You know what the fear is right there? You're afraid God won't take care of you if you give away that 100 bucks. Feel it? See it? We get there. Then you go to the knowledge you don't want to study the Bible because guess what it's going to do? You're afraid you'll find out who you really are. You're afraid to hear what God has to say. You're afraid of being find out, found out. See? So you have to find the fear in all of these. And the third one with the coffee. <laughs> I've seen this happen. And I think I did it once. <laughs> but you're standing there in line. You... Normally wait your five minutes. You see these other people getting their stuff ahead of you. And you're going, wait a minute. What about me? What about my drink? Did they lose my drink? Is it at the end of the line? What did they? What? I am so important. I want my drink. And then you snap at the clerk. Where's my drink? Caffeine's a great thing. <laughs> but you get people without their coffee. Um... <laughs> One year, we were at a retreat, and uh, I was helping cooking in the kitchen. And on the Saturday, we made just one, like three-quarters of this big pot of coffee. People came in early, got some. They came back and got seconds. So when everybody else came to get their breakfast, coffee was out. This was a Christian retreat. You would not believe the anger and frustration over the fact that there was not enough coffee. I mean, I was, I was amazed. I was afraid for my life. <laughs> but uh, the next day, you know, we made two just to make sure that everybody's happy. See? But we got to find the fear. We have to find the fear. So to recap, you ask God which one, ask a friend which one you need, ask that friend to help you, and find the fear. So in, in effect... 
Christian development, one piece of Christian development is you learn how to teach others about how God's helping you. Oh yeah, the challenge. Hope you're up for this. Here's the challenge. And And I hope you blow up my email account. I want you to ask a friend which one you need. I want you to ask that friend to help you. And I want you to send me an email telling me which, that you took my challenge and which attribute you're working on. Now, I'm not going to put this on social media. You know, I'm not going to post it on the bulletin board in the back. But I just want to see. Are you up for the challenge? And hopefully, yeah, you can see my email address up there. Send me an email. I think it'd be sort of fun. So, one more question. How much has God given you? Okay, that's sound. Yay. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that you give us all the ability to teach, and I pray that we'll grab onto that and just make this uh, world a better place for all. We just thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.